into cybersecurity, there's a ton of content out there. And if you don't know where to start, it can be overwhelming, even paralyzing. So let's fix that. Welcome to Simply Cyber, a community of tens of thousands of aspiring and active cybersecurity professionals focused on networking, knowledge sharing, and professional development. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, Chief Content Creator at Simply Cyber, inviting you to get the answers to your cybersecurity problems with hundreds of cybersecurity videos answering your frequently asked questions, interviewing industry experts, and live streaming daily cyber threat briefings hosted by me. Now get the stories and insights you won't find anywhere else. Hit subscribe now and dig into all the fresh content on the channel and in the community. Nothing should stop you from launching and leveling up your cybersecurity career today. Welcome to the stream. <clears throat> Get things adjusted here a little bit. Good morning. <clears throat> Today is Thursday, August 31st, 2023. This is episode number 442 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Brief Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier. And over the next hour, let's be real, it's been an hour for you know months now, so it's not 45 minutes. Over the next hour, me, you, me, you, Shane Prevost. Uh, Matt McDaniel, Matthew Necci, Dustin Gray, cracking 3,000 on LI, John Novak, James McQuiggan coming in from the vacation, Matt, <laughs> Ms. Julian, Stephen Strauss, so many of you wonderful people on LinkedIn and YouTube, community members, squad members, everybody, first-timers, long-timers, we are going to be shredding the top cybersecurity news of the day. Cat GPT coming in hot. Um, we're going to be all shredding the top cybersecurity news of the day. Let me know, just as a quick uh, <clears throat> production note, classic Simply Cyber issues. Let me know if there's any issues with audio. Uh, I'll explain later. The, hurric the storm hurricane thing uh, was very minimal here, but it did have one painful uh, impact on my house, which totally sucked. So, um, anyways, holla. Um, where are we? Um, so over the next 45 minutes to an hour, we're all going to be going through the top cyber news of the day, and I'll be giving my expert opinion and analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner, right? So, you know, BSEC, like going to work today, cracking on the keyboard, like how can he use this knowledge to reduce cyber risk for his organization? Or perhaps you just took over an organization, right? Shane Prevost, maybe you're building an information security program at your organization. You can use this information strategic planning there's there's multiple facets of value that we're going to be giving you here and if you're looking to break into the industry do not sweat it this is not over your head you are absolutely welcome here you are included in this community and there is value for you to be had here a you're going to be getting tons of uh exposure to terminology concepts attack vectors threat actor names flaming donkey is on the rise i've heard you'll all get amazing networking check out we got uh, 173 people already two minutes into the show live with you. Another couple thousand on replay. So there is a rich, vibrant, lively, supportive, inclusive community that composes the Daily Cyber Threat Brief podcast community. Uh, so just get up, say what's up, say hello. If you're live with us, you get 
Well, if you watch the show, you are entitled to half a CPE. So say what's up in chat, take a screen cap, save it off. It stacks up two and a half a week, 10 a month. <clears throat> if you don't know what to say, hashtag team live. Let us know that you're live in chat. I do love it uh, with my team live people. Over on LinkedIn, I see Rafael Diaz. What's up, Rafael? Good to see you. Uh, Flame and Donkey D Crash. I love it. Brian White's team live. Love all the squad members, all the badging. It looks wonderful on you guys. Hey, Carrie, good to see you. King Victory, thank you. You are so kind. Best cyber in the world. I got a fresh pot of uh, coffee here because uh, I was dealing with tech issues before the stream started, so I haven't really gotten a chance to get into it. If you're watching on replay and you're in the future, well, hello from the past. It's good to see you, time traveler. Do be a lamb and hit hashtag team replay in the comments. Team replay are people too. I love team replay. I am team replay from time to time. And I love engaging with them. Also, shout out to Chris Weaver. If you are team replayer and do if you're team replay or your team hybrid, or you're just team live and you don't and normally you, you might catch it. Chris Weaver with with pretty consistent regularity, and this is work, so uh, you know, um, I appreciate it when she does it. Uh, Chris Weaver will put timestamps as a comment on the Daily Cyber Threat Brief podcast. And when I see it, I pin it so it goes right to the top. So if you are interested in 2X in the show or getting right to a specific story, do use those time marks. And again, thanks, Chris, for the uh, assist uh, with the stream. Finally, if it's your last, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, if it's your last time here, no, ah, <clears throat> if it's your first time here, uh, let us know in chat. Hashtag first timer. Uh, Scott Edwards was our first timer yesterday. Let's see if Scott comes back. See if we if we uh, um, got him convinced to come back for a second episode. Um, but if it's your first time today, let us know in chat. We do make an effort. The squad community, the Simply Cyber community, we do make an effort to trick the algorithm in order to have more first timers find us every day. So I am interested in monitoring how that's going. But thank you very much. Hashtag first timers. <clears throat> All right, guys, before we get into it, it is Thursday's Meme of the Week. Dan Reardon, a.k.a. Haircut Fish, has been doing the Meme of the Week for over a year. He's been straight crushing it, but the man is entitled to a vacation, and that is what he's on right now. So we do have a guest Meme of the Week. This is coming from my son, Grayson, who normally is responsible for Friday's Joke of the Week. Uh, he was in here. He threw down some ideas. Uh, we made it happen. He's, he's younger than me, different generation. I don't get it, but I'm totally cool with it, and I can't wait to share it with all of you. All right, guys, before we get into it, let's say what's up and shout out to the stream sponsor. Start with my good friend Eric Taylor and the crew at Barricade Cyber Solutions. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Believe that. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Um, you see on the stream if you're watching live. Remember, this is this uh, podcast is made available on audio after the stream ends on Spotify and Apple. So you can catch it there if you need to. But if you are watching visually, this is Barricade Cyber's website. Right here on the bottom left of the website is how you can get on Eric Taylor's calendar and get going. Definitely worth doing. Panopsi Security, another friend of mine and excellent cybersecurity company. They're focused on partnering with businesses and helping them build out information security programs based on budget, needs, risk, resources, availability, etc. So here's the deal. Uh, hashtag first timer, Law M. What's up, Law? Good to see you. 
Here's the deal. If you are uh, in charge of information security or you do InfoSec at your business because you're an IT person and you don't have an InfoSec person and you're just reacting all the time, spinning your wheels. Yes, it feels good to be like moving actively and constantly, but you know what would be better? Taking a structured managed approach to reducing cyber risk so you can actually breathe for a hot second and set things up for cyber risk reduction values. Um, <clears throat> so give Panopsi.com uh, a little bit of a sniff. Links in the description below as usual. And then finally, anti-siphon training. Uh, we'll talk about them at the mid-roll when we're doing meme of the week. All right, guys, do me a favor. Sit back, relax, and let's let the cool sounds of the hot news wash over us in an awesome wave. I'll see you all at the mid-roll. Coffee cup cheers, James. What's up, Daniel Uba, first-timer? From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Thursday, August 31st, 2023. Chinese threat actors breached Japan's cybersecurity agency. Earlier this month, Japan's National Center of Incident Readiness and Strategy, or NISC, disclosed a data breach that exposed emails to a third party. The Financial Times' sources say that the Japanese government believes China's People's Liberation Army orchestrated the attack. It's believed the hack took place in October 2022, but not discovered until June. The NISC warned citizens of suspicious phone calls and emails claiming to come from the agency. In response to the attack, Japan plans to boost its cybersecurity budget 1,000% over the next five years. Okay. <laughs> Human. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Two, two things here. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. That was so funny. All right. Uh, so two things. One, um, so China is suspected to have attacked Japan's cybersecurity uh, incident response readiness agency. Okay, um, this is probably likely. Um, let's look at this for a second. Japan, Netherlands, semiconductor. Uh, let's see when this happened. It's August 2023 right now. <clears throat> Remember this story where Japan... Uh, in the United States and Netherlands did like a three-way high five and said, we're not going to sell semiconductors to China. And China's all like, oh man, what am I going to do if I don't have semiconductors? That's totally going to screw up my technical, my technical manu manufacturing. So that was four, <clears throat> that was four months ago. You have to imagine, oh, here, here's five months ago, a story, Japan and US, uh, more firm handshake, less high five, right? Oh, here's January, eight months ago. U.S. acknowledges Japan to deal curb chip making. You can follow the timeline. Bro, as soon as Japan was like, hey, U.S., what do you think about maybe uh, embargoing semiconductors from China? Like, <clears throat> China uh, takes action and basically uh, infiltrates them? I mean, I'm speculating. Tinfoil hat, if you will. Uh, where's my tinfoil hat? This is always my disclaimer. I don't have any more information, but if you follow what's going on, the, the stories, if you pay attention long enough, you can start seeing the pieces fit together. This isn't rocket science, right? N nation states of first world power like to remain in first world power. So they're going to use what means they have at their disposal for national, inf uh, like, um, uh, what is it? Um, it, there's a term for it in the intel community. It's called dime, but it's like diplomacy, information, military, and, uh, and economic. It's like means of influencing other countries. This is one of them. Now, um, second thing, guys, okay? Dude, Japan's going to increase their cyber budget a thousand percent. 
holy crap. I mean, it's it's hilarious because it's like it's almost it's almost like cartoonish to increase it 1000%. It's 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 cartoonish is what it is really. But here's the thing. Statistics can be funny because if their budget was like a million, well, not a million, but like if their budget was like $25,000 a year, a thousand percent doesn't even bring it up to where it should be. I'm sure it wasn't a thousand dollars a year, but my point is, uh, percentages matter on what, like if you're, if you're getting paid dirt and you get like a 10% pay raise, you're like, woo, but like you really didn't get that much because you, you know, you're being taken advantage of, right? So a thousand percent is cartoonish. Final thing I'll say, and you will see this all the time. Although I recently heard information to dispute this uh, um, comment I'm about to make. So would love some chat um, thoughts on this, okay? Typically when you see a company get breached, they will spend lots of money afterwards, right? It, it's like it's it's like a joke in our industry. Hey, hey CFO, can I get some money please? Can I get some money? Um, just want to put multi-factor authentication. No, we don't have budget for that. Plus the executives need golf memberships. Oh man, maybe next budget year. Breach. Hey, oh wait, hold on. I'm the CFO. Hey, what's it going to take? Like open checkbook. Tell me what you need. Uh, MFA, PAM, network segmentation, information security awareness training, outsourced MDR, um, uh, detonation chambers, uh, EDR licensing, uh, next-gen firewalls. Yes, 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 and yes. Let's go. So this is what normally happens, okay? So increasing your budget a thousand percent, pretty on brand if you ask me. Um, although I will tell you, I had someone, I think it was Eric Taylor, recently dispute that, and it's not consistently across the board um, where uh, businesses will open their checkbook afterwards. But anyways, there you go. Trafficking into cyber scams. A new report from the UN's Office of the High Commissioner for Human Rights documented the scale of human trafficking operations that force people to run cyber scams. It found credible sources in Cambodia and Myanmar that over 200,000 people are involuntarily involved in these schemes. It also found evidence of the practice in East Africa, Egypt, Turkey, and Brazil. Often, people become ensnared in these scams by accepting job offers in another country. Upon arrival, the traffickers keep employees in compounds and force them to work scams to repay so-called relocation costs. Victims that escape can often face prosecution in their home country for their crimes while imprisoned. Jesus Christ. China so this is basically, <clears throat> um, I mean, this is, I mean, it's not even indentured servitude. This is modern day slavery. <laughs> right that that's what this is this is human it's human trafficking forced labor camps and instead of having them um do more i mean they're doing manual tasks they're committing cyber crimes cyber scams cyber whatever um and they're and they have so much leverage over them because you can go to jail um see this is one of those things like i it's tough for me to um it's tough for me to comment on this without knowing all of the legislation, but like this almost feels like one of those things where like the people in power of the governments are, I don't want to say turning a blind eye, but, but like building the laws in a way to enable this type of behavior. Friendship house up in here. This sucks. Um, I, I, I definitely want to um, look into this a little bit more. 
uh, dude, this is um, this is not a new, like the concept of what's going on in the the humanitarian crisis, effectively, and the, the civil rights. You know, it's it's not even a violation. I mean, this is like a disgusting exploitation of human rights. Um, because you know, you know, oh, they have to work off their their debt. You know. And this is a this is a tinfoil hat, but I feel very comfortable making this tinfoil hat. Okay, you know that. Oh yeah, no, like you come here, we'll pay for you to come here, and then you have to work off the money. You owe us a thousand dollars. Okay, and we'll pay you a hundred dollars a day. Oh okay, which by the way, I'm making round numbers. There's no way they're getting a hundred dollars a day. Hundred bucks a day. Okay, so I'll only work ten days, and then I'm free to walk around Cambodia. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no problem, no problem. Oh, by the way, like um, your 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 bed that you're sleeping in that costs six dollars a day, and those three meals you're getting, which is really only one meal you're getting, that's three dollars a day. And if you want like water or laundry or something, that's two dollars a day. Do you see what I'm doing here? So uh, basically, uh, it, it it costs a hundred and four dollars a day to live on this compound or whatever, you will never dig out. You will never dig out. Okay. That this is, it's, it's a, it's a racket. It's a human rights racket. And the crappy thing is, again, this, this is cyber related, but to me, the cyber story is like almost secondary to the, 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 the human crisis going on here. This is horrible. I hope, I hope that there's, um, organizations that can get in and help. Um, they said it's cyber scams, guys. So, you know, if you're getting text messages from whoever, if you're getting like, oh, hey, like left your golf clubs in my car, let's get together for dinner tonight. Pig butchering schemes, um, you know, all, all of those things. Uh, oh, here, it, it even says pig butchering in the story, right? If you don't know what pig butchering is, Google it. Um, but anyways, this this is terrible. This is just terrible. All right. Uh, I'd love to look into this a little bit more. It upsets me. ...set to approve first generative AI services. It might feel like we've hit a saturation point on news about generative AI. As of late, it seems like we've had wall-to-wall -wall coverage of all things LLM. But large parts of the world will soon get their first taste of this potentially disruptive tech. Bloomberg sources say the Cyberspace Administration of China will soon approve a small number of firms to launch generative AI services to the public. The search giant Baidu will reportedly receive the first regulatory approval, announcing on WeChat it'll launch its Ernie bot on August 31st. As part of new regulations in China, companies must pass a security review and file algorithms used for generative AI services. All right, so this shouldn't be a surprise too, right? So China's approving a couple firms to come forward with AI approval. Tinfoil hat, Jerry would say, it took them this long because they needed to bake in... Um, <laughs> Backdoors, um, offloading of all queries, surveillance capabilities, etc. Uh, I'm not being hyperbolic. There is multiple pieces of information that would suggest this is um, a technique and an approach that that they would they would definitely um, leverage. Uh, Baidu shares gained four and a half percent in Hong Kong. No surprise. They've been greenlit basically to be the AI firm. AI is all the rage. Shall we play a game? Right. I mean, this is this is no this isn't a surprise. I mean, we do live even though there's a decoupling of the global economy, we do live in a global society, essentially, right? With the internet and you know, technology advances not being um it 
basically technical technology technological advancements are not nationally contained really anymore like research gets out information gets out whether voluntarily whether research collapse whether espionage so like for example like when the um speaking of oppenheimer since that's so hot right now um the united states had access to the atom bomb for a couple years before any other country had it right there was a couple year period where like the u.s could have been insane and just like put its thumb on any country in the world and said like do what we want or we'll we'll bomb you to next tuesday right and then ultimately they decided to share all that information but in in the modern in the modern day with software and data and, and tech and everything like that i feel like there's not a lot of um you know single nation proprietary uh type technological advances by the way shout out to um um dan carlin's hardcore history if you guys hold on um what is it uh maker of worlds is it maker of worlds oh my god destroyer of worlds all right hold on i'm actually i i wouldn't recommend watching this on youtube um simply because it's six hours long uh, but if you get a chance, if you're interested, Dan Carlin does an amazing job of audio history. And I'm going to link you to this. This is a single one-off episode. It's six hours long. He he released this like seven years ago. So this wasn't like an Oppenheimer uh, pile-on. And this story is about the United States military advancement and utility of the atom bomb, not so much about development and dropping it, but the time period in the United States after the war ends, but before the world gets access to the technology. It's fascinating um, what's going on and some of the some of the, the plays like some people wanted to weaponize it and use it and make make everybody democratic across the world. And if they didn't, we would do this to you. So uh, definitely strong, strong recommendation. I love Dan Carlin's work. If you know what I mean, if you know what I'm talking about, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And if you haven't heard, it is what's up. Scott Edwards came back for round two. Scott Edwards, what's up? VMware ARIA vulnerable to authentication bypass. Project Discovery Research published a report detailing the flaw impacting all ARIA 6 branch versions. The flaw opens the door to bypassing SSH to access endpoints due to a lack of unique cryptographic key generation. VMware released patches and an updated version 6.11 to resolve the bug, but provided no immediate workarounds. Because of ARIA's market position, it's used for managing virtualized environments and hybrid clouds for large enterprises, VMware notes attackers will be quick to exploit the flaw. All right, so, you know, I, I haven't heard of ARIA before. Uh, just the hotel in Vegas, lovely place. Uh, if you ever get a chance to stay, it is beautiful. Uh, VMware ARIA, vulnerable to SSH auth bypass. Okay, this isn't good. So SSH is typically how you can, you all right? Okay, SSH is typically how you connect to uh, Linux machines, right? And if it's facing the internet, you can use, uh, you know, like certificates in order to make it a little bit more difficult to uh, log in and stuff like that. But the thing is with authentication bypass, the word bypass is the key word here. You don't have to go through the authentication phase. You just kind of like, it's like, you know, the memes that you see sometimes where there's like a gate, but then there's no fence on either side of the gate. And there's like a well-worn path around the gate. That's an authentication bypass. Wicked strong gate, really stupid uh, controls uh, because you could just walk by it. Okay. 
Um, so if you're here's the TLDR, and this is for practitioners. If you're running VMware Aria, this is an absolute um, get in front of the IT team quickly and figure out what your risk exposure is and then address it. If you have this internet facing, definitely need to get in front of this ASAP. It uh, sounds like there's a fix in place. Um, and if you don't know if you run VMware Aria or not, ask your um, ask your IT team, ask your director. Just forward them this. Here's what I would do. If I didn't know whether or not we ran this, I would take this news story, I would forward it to the IT team and just say, hey, do we run VMware Aria and is it internet facing, right? Oh, it's a cloud-based solution instead of on-prem. All right, so thanks, BSEC. So our, I told you I didn't know what it was. So Aria is absolutely internet facing. That's the, the, the beauty of cloud. That's what cloud promised us is everything internet facing all the time. So fast forward, send this to your IT team and say, are we running VMware Aria? Uh, we need to know and get this sorted out ASAP. Also, uh, best practices would dictate not just ensuring that you're not vulnerable to this and protecting it, but also taking a hot minute and looking in your uh, network logs to see if there's been any, or your host logs to see if there's been any um, activity associated with this SSH authentication bypass, whether it's um, you know traffic coming in from an unknown source, whether it's uh, someone logging in and then uh, enumerating once they log on the box or trying to do VM uh, or privilege escalation, something like that. Uh, so you always want to fix the problem and then do some level of due diligence to to see if you can tell if there was any issues. Also, also, and this is more for the people looking to break into the industry. Hey, um, if people break it in the industry, you want... All right. Um, I, I lost my train of thought. I had to talk to uh, Grayson. Um, damn it. Um, oh, oh, I know what I was going to say. Listen, you're going to be able to prove 100% that somebody didn't do something in, like, so someone logs in. You're going to go look to see if you see any, anything bad. You don't see anything bad. You will never be able to have 100% confidence that nothing bad happened, right? Uh, I mean, a few exceptions, right? If you just installed it and there's no network traffic, but for the most part, you're not going to have 100% confidence. So don't burden yourself out trying to prove definitively that nothing bad happened. You can just have low confidence, moderate confidence, or high confidence based on the information you have. Okay. All right. Let's do the mid roll. And now a word from our sponsor, App Omni. SaaS cyber attacks are prevalent and often go unnoticed until data loss or breaches occur. Sign-ins from an unusual IP address stolen session tokens. These security risks can lurk in the shadows and put your entire SaaS estate at risk. Don't wait for a breach to secure your SaaS data. App Omni helps security teams to detect suspicious activity, decide what activities to be alerted on, and receive guided remediation. Learn how at appomni.com. All right. So, hey, Scott Edwards knows because he's a he's not a first timer anymore, but to Law M, this is what we do on the mid-roll every day. All right, guys, I want to thank all of you for being here. We've got 310, 310 of you officially uh, on the stream. We're averaging over 300, so congratulations. Thank you all. Guys, the way Scott Edwards found us yesterday, the way Law M found us today, maybe because we tricked the YouTube algorithm. So let's do it again today. If you're getting educational value, if you're getting entertainment value, take one, you know, 15 seconds 
and go hit the like button on the stream, especially if you're on YouTube. By doing it, you're going to tell YouTube, hey, a bunch of cyber people like this podcast. Let me go tell other cyber people about this podcast. And that's how we grow the community. So do me a favor, do the community a favor, press the like button now. It goes a long way and it's, it's you know, a pretty easy lift. Thanks again to the stream sponsors, Barricade Cyber, Panopsi, and Anti-Siphon Training. Guys, I want to tell you about Anti-Siphon Training. They're here to disrupt traditional training um, by providing high-quality, cutting-edge education to everyone, regardless of financial position. They offer students the opportunity to learn skills, practice what's taught, and engage with the community in a fun, inclusive way. I cannot recommend Anti-Siphon Training enough. I love the staff over there. I love the brain trust that's behind Black Hills Information Security, which is the parent company. Um, John Strand is kind of the, um, he's the leader over there, but he's also like the, the, the soul of that whole group over there. So it is what it is. I love it. I love it. I love it. And right now, John Strand's um, getting started. This is perfect if you're just trying to break in. John Strand's getting started with um, information security um, and MITRE ATT&CK is September 18th, 19th, 20th, and 21st. I'll drop a link in chat directly. Go check it out. You're going to love it. If you, if you don't know John Strand, get to know him. He's awesome. All right, guys, the Simply Cyber Community Challenge is coming in hot. Jenny Housley, can you te- uh, let me know uh, who? Guys, I want to share the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. This is an initiative that we started some time ago. 140 people have done it today. We're going to go for 141 today. Whoever has the baton right now, and I apologize, I forget who, someone will get tagged, right? They have the baton. They will go on to LinkedIn. This is how we hack LinkedIn. We will go on LinkedIn and post their cyber story. Actually, I read uh, the cyber story yesterday. It's uh, Rhiannon, right? Rhiannon's story. There it is, Rhiannon Andre. I see you. Yeah, great story, amazing, amazing perseverance through adversity. If you get a chance, definitely read it. But here's the deal. Whoever she tags, go online and do this. Go on, so for you as a person, as, as one of the other 310 people here, go on to LinkedIn, search for this hashtag, okay? Simply Cyber Community Challenge, and then connect with the people posting, connect with the people commenting, and here's the trick, you yourself comment on the post. You will get caught up in the Peloton, and in two weeks time, if you continue to do this, you will build out a LinkedIn network that is full of supportive, inclusive cybersecurity professionals who are helping each other, sharing resources, sharing wins, working through tough times. Your feed will become valuable and it's your network. You take it with you, right? Believe me, networking is unbelievably valuable. This is one way to hack it. Great job, Rihanna, and thank you so much. And I look forward to whoever you uh, tag. Just uh, tag someone in chat and we'll know what's up. All right, guys, so it is Thursday's meme of the week. I did work with Grayson on this one. This is my dog, Ripley. This was taken minutes before uh, the stream started. I only found out a few minutes before that the um, there was no meme of the week. This is my puppy. Uh, Grayson said, hey, take a picture of this one. It looks like he's saying Saturdays. You know what I mean? Like he's straight chilling, waiting for the weekend. So this is Ripley uh, doing Saturdays.
Thanks so much, Grayson, for pinch hitting on the meme of the week. You are wonderful, and I'm really glad that we got to work together on this meme uh, moments before the stream started. Cisco VPNs breached with brute force campaign. Security researchers at Rapid7 report that a campaign began targeting Cisco adaptive security appliance VPNs with brute force and credential stuffing attacks. These attacks targeted appliances not requiring MFA. Researchers found the campaign began back in March by the Akira ransomware group. Cisco researchers said many appliances lack properly configured logging, making investigating the attacks particularly challenging. It's estimated 11 customers saw breaches over the last five months. All right. Bye, hun. I'll see you later. Just really cool because I love, I do love Akira. Epic film. Uh, so check it out. If you're running uh, Cisco Adapt or ASAs, VPNs, um, you could be getting brute force attack. This, guys, I'm not saying this is garden variety, but this is like, this is the type of attack that I would do, okay? <laughs> like, I am not an advanced red team pen tester. I'm, I'm very noisy when I attack your network. Like I, I might as well be wearing um, like fishing line with a bunch of pots and pans and cans attached to my legs because I am a walking doorbell going off when I am attacking you. This is the type of thing I would do. And by the way, um, this is working effectively. So what, what's going on? Cisco VPNs, really popular solution for VPNs, virtual private network. It's how remote workforces log into internal company networks. Instead of opening the network up to the internet, which would be absolutely- You are so dumb. They make you go through a VPN concentrator, authenticate who you are, and then you're off and running and they can track you and push you through a choke point. Here's the problem. Brute forcing basically means that threat actors are using a tool like Hydra to put your username and then a list of passwords, password one, two, three, password one, two, three, four. You know, I love you. You know, the Mets suck, um, you know, whatever, right? Like it's, it's, it's a list of passwords and they just turn it on and then they go get a taco and a cup of coffee. And then when they come back, they're either in or they're not. This is so easy to address. First of all, don't allow crappy passwords, first of all. Second of all, and probably the most important one, multi-factor authentication. Multi-factor authentication is not a silver bullet, but do you know what it does help prevent? Brute forcing passwords into internet-facing access points to your internal network. It's 2023. Who, who, like here's my thing, dude. Setting up a Cisco ASA for VPN concentration is not something that a, 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 a four-person financial management company sets up, right? When you're setting this up, you have IT staff or at least an MSP. You cannot set this up. And like, and by the way, kind of borderline shame on Cisco for even like, I don't want to say allowing MFA because you do need to make it configurable for end users' needs. But what are we doing here, guys? BSEC, is there a reason? Is there a reason? <clears throat> is there a reason? <clears throat> Is there a reason? What, like, tell me, <clears throat> tell me the use case where VPN access does not require MFA. And I would say the use case needs to be good. It doesn't need to be that the CEO finds it inconvenient or, you know, you know, the general counsel doesn't like how it takes extra time or some <clears throat> prized vendor that you deal with that has to come through refuses to use it. 
but you so you guys to nerf your own defenses. This is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. I, I'm like an, I'm annoyed. Like, dude. <clears throat> Whatever. Like, this is such a um low-level attack, too. Here's the deal. If you're running VPNs, I don't care if it's Cisco or what, and you don't have multi-factor authentication, use this story, send it to the CIO, send it to the director of IT, send it to anyone and everyone that you have to prioritize MFA, to prioritize MFA. That, like, it's, it's 2023. You cannot have not, you cannot have internet-facing access points <clears throat> this gives you access to the internal network. This isn't some stupid WordPress server that somebody who doesn't know what they're doing stood up in like a little network segment that even if it gets breached, no big deal. This is freaking the front door of your internal network. You need to put proper controls in place. It's ridiculous. The slow response time of Meta's oversight board. On Platformer, Casey Newton profiled the timeline of Meta's oversight board to review a takedown decision regarding a post inciting violence by Cambodia's Prime Minister Hun Sen. Meta reviewed the video when it posted back in January. It decided to keep the video online under its newsworthiness exemption, but referred it to the board for review. The board did not accept the case until two months later in March, releasing a decision to remove the post and suspend Hun Sen's accounts in late June. The video itself received over 600,000 views. Meta ultimately decided to remove the post, but not suspend the accounts. Newton also noted that as of October, the board has only accepted three cases for appeal out of hundreds of thousands. All right. Again, <clears throat> so let's talk about this for a minute. I don't know much about Cambodia, okay? This is a cybersecurity program. Having said that, I do find it interesting um, remember, so first of all, this guy right here takes power, whether democratically or whatever, he's the prime minister. I don't know how Cambodia's, um, election systems work out there, political systems, but he's in power. The story reports that he's consolidated his power through violence and intimidation since taking office. People with power want more power. Ruling parties with power do not want to, um, concede that power to anyone. <clears throat> this, di this guy is choosing violence and intimidation to uh, increase his power. Now, it says Cambodia. Now, do you remember this story that we just talked about a hot minute ago about basically human rights uh, violations, forced servitude, um, Cambodia. This, this story was about this happening in Cambodia. So, like, if you, if you kind of read into it, like, look at all the flags on the Cambodian cu country right there, okay? If you read into the story and you think about it for a minute, this seems kind of on brand, kind of aligned, right? Like, so, it, it's not good. I mean, obviously, there's some issues going on there. Now, the story itself is about Meta's oversight. Um, and basically, <clears throat> this guy... Here's the thing. If I if I tweet something that has impact today, like, oh, like some salacious thing about voting, and I do it on like November 7th, and it influences voting somehow, and then you take it down in January or, or March or whatever, it doesn't matter anymore, right? The impact has already happened. The benefit has already happened. It, it like, okay, pull it down. It, 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 the, the lifespan of the 
post or the tweet or the gram or whatever, the lifespan of it's already expired. It does not matter if you pull it down or not. It, it has no effect. So you're basically saying that this is a toothless, meaningless, almost bureaucratic um, mechanism for oversight, okay? <clears throat> Which is a problem, right? Which, by the way, the larger the end to... This is, if you're younger, I feel like only, I feel like young people might not know this and older people have seen it time and time again. If you, the bigger you are as an organization, whether you're the US government, you're meta, you're whatever, things move slower. If they just have to, there's so many moving parts. You cannot be agile. You cannot pivot. This is why tech startups can pivot so quickly because they're small. They can make decisions and, and move quickly. We saw the US government talking about AI legislation AI kind of blew up in March of 2023. In in like June of 23, the US government's like, we're gonna hold a commission or we're gonna get like a, a, a committee together in October. Like, bro, that's too slow, way too slow. Um, so this is a uh, ongoing problem. Obviously social media can be weaponized. We've seen that with great effect in the 2016 era with misinformation, disinformation. We've seen it um, when Turkey was doing a, uh, a revolution in Turkey um, and the um, revolutionists were using Twitter to coordinate. We've seen it in China with citizens who are against oppression, uh, airdropping to each other. And we've seen it um, in the Ukrainian-Russian conflict. So it's a thing, all right? Hey, real quick, Super Chat, James McQuiggan, have an awesome day, everyone. Missing the daily commentary from Jerry, but it's also nice to disconnect for a little bit. Keep being excellent. Coffee cup cheers, Team Live, Team Canada. What's up? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Thank you so much, James, for the Super Chat. Hope you're enjoying your vacation. Rackspace's ransomware cleanup costs. Back in December, the cloud hosting company Rackspace experienced a ransomware attack, disrupting its email service to customers. The Play Ransomware organization took credit, exploiting a Microsoft Exchange server zero day. The company disclosed that it estimated the attack cost it $10.8 million in damages. This came from both costs of investigating and remediating the actual attack, as well as from multiple lawsuits from customers. The company expects significant reimbursements on these costs from cyber insurance policies. Its disclosure did not state whether it paid the ransom. It's not malware. <clears throat> All right, so really quickly, everything in perspective, okay? Rackspace, facing massive cleanup costs. Rackspace is a really well-known hosting service provider. They got ransomware eight months ago. It's going to cost $10 million to repair. That's real money, guys, $10 million. But let's put it in perspective. Rackspace made $3 billion in 2022, $3 billion in 2021, okay? $10 million, like 1% of 3 billion is what? Um, 30 million, right? If my math's correct. So massive cleanup costs, massive, massive to you and I, because if you and I, Scott Mack, right? If, if someone came to me or Scott Mack and was like, hey, listen, it's going to be $10 million to fix your, you know, internet at your house. You'd be like, what? 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 But but for Rackspace, it's one third of one percent of their annual revenue. Dude, like a mid-level manager has signatory authority on that. I'm being hyperbolic, but my point is, 
everything is relative. And by the way, like, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying because Rackspace made $3 billion, they should pay more in cleanup costs. I'm just saying this is a blip in the radar of Rackspace. Barely, barely going to be talked about at the board level. All right, really quick. Uh, Space Tacos dropping uh, two things. Super chat. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Thank you, Space Tacos. It's great to uh, see you, and I hope you're enjoying your new role. Straight crushing it. By the way, recent breaking into the industry success story. Yeah, Space Tacos. And then also Space Tacos gifting five squad memberships. So Scott Mack, Nikos, Nick Nick Barker. Hey, Nick Barker. Um... Who else got it in here? Nikos, Jordan SC, et cetera. If you're one of the lucky recipients to receive a squad membership, do enjoy that squad tray. That is all about good times. We'll get some Oprah action in here. Love it, love it, love it. All right, guys. Um, one final thing, and this is very uh, pertinent. Rackspace said of that $10 million, they plan to make a lot of it back or get compensated through cyber insurance. What do you mean cyber insurance? If you want to know um, a lot about cyber insurance, join us later today at 4.30 p.m. as Jeffrey Smith, a personal friend of mine and a really nice guy who only deals in cybersecurity insurance. Guys, if you have any cyber insurance questions, this guy is going to have the answers. He goes long and deep on cyber insurance. It's all he does. He knows everything about it. He's been in the game. I met him in like 2015 and he was already, uh, you know, long in the tooth on cyber insurance. So he's got a lot of experience, a lot of stories. Um, and, and like I said, he's out of it. He's out of Atlanta. So he's like a very Southern gentleman. Um, so he's a really great guy. I can't wait. So definitely join us at 4.30 PM today to get all your cyber insurance answers uh, answered. It's Microsoft. Getting unexpected weird pop-ups generally indicates you're either on a website that doesn't respect its users or you have a malware-infested machine. But it turns out you might just be using Windows 11. Microsoft implemented a unique pop-up that sits outside of its notification center, encouraging Chrome users to change their default search to Bing. Adding to the spammy behavior, the notification comes from an executable installed in the Windows temp folder. After users reported this as possible malware, or at least annoying, Microsoft's Director of Communication, Caitlin Rolston, told The Verge it paused the notification to investigate this unintended behavior. Gross. Dude, you know what? Like, <laughs> 1997 called. They want their pop-ups back. Do you guys remember, like, for, for those who are got gray in their hair, Dude, when before the internet kind of got its arms wrapped around it, but at like, like pre dot com boom, but like post everybody has internet at their house, like post AOL, dude, pop ups were everywhere. It was ridiculous. You couldn't, you couldn't like use the internet with like pop up, pop up, pop up, pop up, pop up, pop. Oh my god, you guys have no idea what we used to deal with. It was ridiculous. Um. Um, so Microsoft is kind of taking advantage of, not advantage, but Microsoft is obviously somebody at Microsoft is under the age of, uh, 30 came up with this idea is like, Oh, you know, it'd be brilliant. Let's drop pop-ups. Yeah. Check it out. Like I'm in the middle of playing a game full screen mode and here's a pop-up like, get out of here, bro. Oh, I'm in the middle of like working on a document. Hey, switch to Bing. Like, no, this is, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous, and I'm glad they um, they got in there. This is one of those ones where like Microsoft should be careful because you can begin to 
you can begin to uh, point to like antitrust, uh, not, not to say that they're going to go there yet, but like when Microsoft is leveraging the operating system to push Microsoft products um, over its competitors, that's where you begin to s smell. You get like, you know, the little stink lines on cartoons that are over like fish. You start getting stink lines over antitrust discussions, right? And you really don't want uh, messing with that. Plus, it's just a crappy user experience, bro. Get out of here. It's like bad enough. I don't know about anyone else, but like I had to install Steam for work. And it, I feel like it's like malware. I cannot turn off Steam. I can't uninstall it. I can't disable it. It's like, it's it's got like, it's like a root kit. Oh, it pisses me off every, sorry. Sorry, Kennedy. Sorry, Jaden. Every, every time I, I like boot up my computer, it's like, whoa, you want to play Steam? I'm like, no, no, I don't. What I, what, you know what I don't want? I don't want you on my machine. All right. So anyways, if you're dealing with this, um, it sounds like there's either a, a Windows, um, a registry key that you can deal with or a, um, some type there, or they're going to turn it off automatically. Um, it's super annoying. Expect, you might hear some end users complaining about it, right? So, all right. When you have an incident and you're engulfed. Here we go. All right, guys. Uh, just a reminder, like I, I just spent a minute talking about uh, later today, uh, Simply Cyber Live. Uh, we've got Jeffrey Smith coming on, 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time today, Cyber Insurance. Um, Alana, I said it in chat. Alana, if you have a question for Jeffrey, uh, DM me, uh, maybe on LinkedIn or Discord or something like that. Don't don't put it in chat because I can't watch chat uh, with with any level of, of uh, com you know completeness. Uh, but come join us, guys. If you were here just for the news, uh, thank you so very much. 329 of you beautiful people here today. I hope you're equipped and ready to go for your Thursday. Shout out to Grayson for the uh, pinch hit on the meme of the week. Hopefully Dan Reardon likes it. And uh, guys, be good. Now, hey, check it out. Normally Tuesdays and Thursdays, I would have to boogie out of here because I do teach on Tuesdays and Thursdays. But here's a fun update. Uh, surprise, uh, because of the storm, I am teaching my class today remotely over Zoom, which means I don't have to get in my car and drive in a commute, which I hate commutes. So I am super pumped uh, because that means that I am able to do jawjacking for about 20 minutes and then uh, pivot over to uh, Faculty Jerry. I'll go put on a, a, a tweed coat with elbow pads, maybe some glasses with tape in the middle, and then we'll be ready to roll. So if you want, do me a solid, hang out, and let's do some jaw jacking, y'all. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the jaw jacking segment of the show. We've got a couple minutes uh, before I have to go to do my other jobs. Uh, but let me see if I can get some, uh, dude, like, here's my thing. Does anyone else get annoyed with this? Like Spotify will just kind of like change the interface periodically. Uh, bro, you're killing me. All right, here we go. All right. All right. Let's do some jaw jack. And if you're new here, I think law M is new here. Law M be like, Oh my God, what are we doing here? Like we're in a, 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 a futuristic cyberpunk dystopia, retro synth wave thing. I thought I was watching the top cyber news of the day with Jerry. Well, you are my friend, but we also do fun stuff. 
Uh, Scott Edwards knows what we're talking about since he's no longer a hashtag first-timer. All right, let's see. Oh, Tim McDonald doesn't have to commute today either. Boom, baby, boom. Tape in the middle of the glasses. Need a meme with that look. <laughs> Very cool. Hey, Mono Julian. Oh, Telegram and Signal hit with malware. Let's take a look at that. Uh, Telegram. Ooh, China linked. Okay. All right, hold on. I'm going to share this story really quickly. Mono Julian. This is uh, breaking news. Yeah, BSEC. BSEC is sharing me that I can uh, use MS Config Start so it doesn't load on boot. I'm telling you. Um, hold on. That's the wrong screen. That's my read for the uh, for the thing here. Let. Give me this. I got to choose the correct screen, y'all. There we go. All right, so check it out really quickly. And then I'll share a story with you about why my setup is screwed up and everything. Um, Mono Julian sharing this story here. Signal and Telegram users uh, impacted. Basically, this is, this is a garden variety uh, issue. I can't believe this works, but here's the deal. Share this with your end users. These are made to look like Telegram and Signal. A lot of people are using them. Hey, check it out, download this new thing. They may even use uh, ad, you know, like ad dollars to get uh, to the top of a list. You can see that they fake the reviews. So people are like, oh, this must be legit. It's five stars um, and it's straight malware. All you're doing here is tricking an end user into approving and installing malware, period, end of story. That's it. So good, good shout out and um, Love it. So Clown, did Clown take the baton? Is that what happened? We have a new user. We have a first timer also taking the baton. That'd be awesome. What notepad do I use? Um, I, you know, I use Notion, really, mostly I use Notion. When I do use an editor, I like Sublime Text Editor. Uh, dude, if you get the right icon, you can make a million before anyone noticed. Yeah, exactly, Nick Barker. I mean, it is effective because we've seen it time and time again, right? Oh, yeah. No, hey, here's the thing, guys. Uh, you know, I, I'm a one person. I mean, we have I have mod chat. Thank God helping me. But like as far as like hosting and producing and the software packages and switching screens and stuff, that's me. So like mistakes happen, guys. Sharing my script. Um, you guys know I, I read uh, uh, the intro and like the uh, the marketing copy and stuff like that, so it's no big deal. I'm not no 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 um, no secrets here. Uh, I'm transparent as I can be with all this stuff. And um, also, you're not going to find I share the wrong screen and there's like something salacious because I also don't run that way either. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm kind of uh, conformist. I'm kind of boring, but you know what? I'm consistent and I'm, I'm a happy person and I sleep really well at night because I'm not doing weird stuff. Um, so what else we got going on here? Oh, Sublime. Jesse Johnson likes Sublime. Oh, Sublime Sublime. The band Sublime loves Sublime. OneNote? I've got a big problem with OneNote, Nick Barker. No offense to you or anyone that uh, does it. Kenneth Lowry accepted the baton. Kenneth Lowry, I look forward to your... Um, I look forward to your post, Kenneth. Um, let's see, Ron Burgundy. Yes. <laughs> oh, let me let me do like uh, I am Ron Burgundy. <laughs> uh, 
Let's see. Um, Notebook plus plus. That's a good one. So we're having a nice uh, uh, chat about uh, Notepad. Let's see what's up. I will tell you guys. Um, I, I can't. Hold on one second. I was going to. Uh, as far as like old school physical notepads, I am. Whoops. I am switching to a Rocket Book. I'm going to give a Rocket Book a shot. So if anyone's a Rocket Book user and has any pro tips, power moves, power tips, holler at me. I know it's old school, but it's like the blend of digital and analog, right? Because I can write it with my scr chicken scratchy handwriting, and then I can, um, you know, digitize it. Oh, Cybershami says Notepad++ has a vuln. Kimberly, patch your Notepad++ and also let your brother know. Matt, Tails is very useful. All right. Yeah, Tails OS is good if you want to do, uh, um, my God, dark web stuff. Uh, Jason B saying, hey, Jerry, another question. What is one or two things that you don't like to see in news and new analysts? Behavior or characteristics? Oh, that's a good question. Very personal. Um, okay, so this is this is my perspective. Okay, what I don't like to see in new analysts when I hire you, and like when I hire you, I need you to be proactive and take initiative, not reckless, where you're like trying to like change firewall rules and something like that. But if I ask you like Hey, I need you to get smart on NIST cybersecurity framework, right? For example, like we use NIST CSF here. Here's our SSP. Here's our policies. Here's whatever, right? And like, say you've never heard of NIST CSF before. What, what, what I don't like, and it's going to sound counterintuitive, is like where they're like, oh, like basically wanting to be spoon fed. Like, oh, what's NIST CSF? Oh, it's, it's this framework that NIST released. It's already on version 2.0. It's really useful. Um, if you Google NIST CSF, you're going to find all the details on it. Go, go, you know, get smart on it and come back in two days or whatever. And then like two days later, they come back and they're like, oh, I, you know, I read the, the homepage and like, yeah, it's like, no, like you need to, you need to dig a little bit, right? Like watch, watch some videos on how it's implemented. Find some challenges. Are there any, like you should have discovered that there's profiles. Are there profiles for our industry? What are the shortcomings of that? Like. Like, I'm not saying become a research analyst on it, but I, you, you need to take initiative, be proactive. Like, it, it's just, it, I don't know. It's Here's the thing, in our industry, I'm not opposed to helping someone get spun up, right? But you need to um, take initiative yourself and come along with me, right? It's not, I'm not pulling you. I, I'm like, I almost feel like as a metaphor, I'm not supposed to be pulling you. We're supposed to be running next to each other and I've got my hand on your back and I'm just kind of helping you move. I'm helping you move um, as a runner. Like that makes a lot of sense to me. Okay. And it's not, it's no, it's no disrespect. It's just, we have so much work to do and there's so much going on that it, it, it's, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a loss of, 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 of uh, capability if 
we have to stop and, and focus and, 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 and answer every single question versus taking a little bit of initiative. I hope that answers. I'm not looking at chat right now, so I'm not sure if people are outraged about that or agree with me. But if you are an analyst getting hired, watch my first 90 days video. Like bring, like it's understood that you're going to have challenges. It's understood you're going to have uh, areas of What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? So sorry for the problem. You know, this is uh, definitely something that's going on. Jerry's trying to get back in here and do his uh, ad lib commentary for everybody. Yes, I did change. I did change. And we get Eric. That's right. Barricade Cyber. So thankful to be here. Uh, yeah, so I actually got pinged by two different people. Uh, say, hey, the stream's down, so I try to jump in here real quick. Um, so I'm just watching the mod chat real quick and see if Jerry's able to get back in. Uh, get back in. 
Everyone's like, Eric, Jerry, no, I, I would never, never do that. What's going on, everybody? Hello, Kimberly can fix it. Hello, Kenneth Lowry, uh, Alan, what's going on? This has been a cyber coup. Uh, yes, Mark, I do pretty much have all of our, our people's backs. Um, I do have the power, George. George, you and I definitely need to get together later. You and I need to uh, uh, hash some things out. Tim McDonald's, what's going on? Let me bring up my sandbox environment because I see the dolphin coming. Um, and do the sounder for everybody. For those who don't know, I am very heavily used to using Windows Sandbox uh, pretty much for you know anything and all things production, especially when we're doing our streams. So that way I just don't operational uh, doing sort of OPSEC or anything like that. So share, we'll do that, we'll do this and we'll fire it up. <laughs> there we go, we got the dolphin. He's got the escalated privilege access. Now I just, I've been trusted to, uh, been trusted by the powers that be there is for those old school people i don't i don't see it mentioned much anymore but there used to be a banner when you logged in to ssh on linux devices that it would simply state um you know with great access comes great responsibility B DJ BSEC, yes, I do have ultra widescreen. And those who don't know, I do see Dr. Gerald Osier is coming back into the platform. So once he gets in here, once he gets in here, I see him now. I see him. I see him. What's up? Hey, hold on. This is, uh, one second. What's going on, buddy? On. Why, can't, why can't? Oh, I see how we have it set up. Give me a second. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Why can't I? Yeah, I'm going to no, no, no. you you're, can be you're in back, here. You're back yeah, we live. Can be in here. Let me let me change my screen so I'm not um retro synthwave. Plus like my lighting's all jacked up. What's going on? Yes. Do you have a power yeah, failure over there? Yeah, like or a brownout dipped. Uh let me say what's up to everybody in chat. Let me change my screen so we could just do 2 by 2 here. Um give me a second. This is how we do on the fly production everybody. Thanks for jumping in too, Eric. I appreciate that keeping it going all right yeah, there we anytime. go thanks to those who uh hit me up and be like hey jerry's things messed up can you help yeah so. well this is what business continuity looks like everybody have a plan this is exactly yes exactly prime <laughs> example of a dr plan an unplanned <laughs> exactly so uh real quick just so everybody knows um we had a storm roll through here not too long ago and last night the only problem we had right the south side of the storm had no or no power to it so it was just kind of windy for the uh, for the early part of the day there was a brownout at one point which just like the the, the clock on this on the stove didn't even dip down to blinking 12 right that, that's how low the power out was but it it tripped my uh ubiquity network right and now it's like a hot mess on fire so I'm actually had to turn on my AT&T modem router thing and get the wireless up. As um, my whole network on like a 2.4 gigahertz thing. I don't even know what that brownout was. Like, 
I don't know. Whatever. The students, I got to teach in 20 minutes. You know, I'm sure the students would love it if my internet failed. But, um, you know, whatever. So, how you doing, Eric? <laughs> Good, man. Good. Seeing a bunch of questions and everything like that. They thought I owned you. <laughs> oh, that could be true. That could be true. I actually, as soon as the power went out, I'm like, oh, my gosh. People are going to think that, like... Uh, you know, one of these uh, threat actors that I'm always railing against uh, just, like, hit the low-orbit ion cannon and, and nuked me. Um, so let's let's take some questions. Yeah. we got a couple minutes. Guys, if you're new here, Law M, for example, this is Eric Takate Cyber Solutions. Great guy and pinch hits occasionally when I need to. Um, so Michael Bergeron wants to know what you're playing on Nintendo Switch, Eric. Oh, so yeah, we've got, you know, we got several Nintendo Switches for the family. We play uh, Animal Crossing together. Nice. I like it. Do you have Michael Bazell's book, the uh, OSINT guy back there? Yes. Luke Canfield wants to know, what do you think of that book? Recommend it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. I love it. And if you don't know, Michael Bazell's kind of like, uh, carved himself out as like the OSINT expert, all the tools, all the techniques and methodologies mm -hmm. uh, and, and stuff like that. And I just picked up this other, this other book. Oh, is that a sequel? So yeah, it's about uh, privacy, how to make yourself comp almost completely off. Oh my God. Not or at least from a technological standpoint, not from like electrical. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, that's pretty good though. I like it. We're hearing that Pikmin four is good for the switch. Um, Let's see. We're doing a lag prank. No, this is this is us operating at seventy percent uh, capacity. Remember, guys, it's not cybersecurity; it's cyber resiliency. And right now, we are being resilient in the face of uh, adversity and continuing to operate. Uh, <laughs> Clown's funny. He wants to know if it's a sequel to the book or if it's an SQL to the book. <laughs> it's uh, just a different yeah. book. So. All right. Um, Eric, what podcast are you listening to cyber related? You got any that you like? Uh, let me pull that up. There was another one I just found out about from a dude in Texas. He's, he's kind of like he's in your wheelhouse. He d does a lot of C uh, CISO conversations. Oh, cool. I like that. Uh, uh, the Cyber Ranch podcast. Cyber Ranch podcast. Let's take a look at that. Hacker Valley Studio. None, no less. Mm -hmm. uh, let me do this really quickly. Yeah, he brings on others. He's a CISO. He's uh, just recently went private. And um, yeah, he uh, brings in other exec, uh, CISOs from some pretty large organizations. And it's always a good, conversa or good conversation, especially for someone like me who has to interact with CISOs mm -hmm. a lot. And... Um, it helps keep me up to date on terminology and things of that nature. Oh, well, so. there you go. It's a great recommendation from Eric Taylor, if, especially if you want to get the language of the uh, CISOs. There you go. Also, um, I, I, I don't know. I lost. I lost what I was saying. Uh, pff, whatever. Good. Good <laughs> recommendation. You just had a jitter bump it. Yeah, I, I've got <laughs> just a lot going on in my head right now. Um, so, anyways, that's cool. Um, let's see. Anime, gaming, and tech ask the mods. Oh, wait, hold on. I'm just reading uh, chat. 
So Hacker Valley Studio, I guess, is like a, a, a media group that has a bunch of podcasts in it. So maybe worth checking out. Kimberly seems to have known that one. Anime Gaming. Yeah, oh, go ahead. yeah. So Eric, uh, Anime Gaming and Tech wants to know how to make a transition from sales to cyber. Uh, specifically wants to get into SOC Analyst uh, and wants to pass bypass Help Desk. Can't afford the salary downgrade right now. All right. Well, that's a that's a reasonable hmm. um, that's a reasonable a concern. Not wanting to downgrade. I will say, salespeople they typically make bank though. So hopefully, I mean, I'm not saying that. I don't know what you make anime, and I, I, and I'm just saying that like the commission structure of sales is like outrageous, especially in security uh, uh, product vendor market. But uh, any any thoughts, uh, Eric, as someone who wants to move from sales to SOC analyst? I would say, I guess. Does your department you use Salesforce actually have a SOC analyst group of folks inside the organization? If so, uh, most of the time, sales is Monday through Friday type of organization. SOC is 24 um, 7. I don't know what your family situation or anything like that, but you know, you can ask if you can internship on a Saturday or a Sunday mm -hmm. or whatever, and or a couple hours every day after, you know, at the end, and just, you know, over you know, watch them and ask questions and things of that nature once i know oh, at first the everything may be a little off-putting and everything like that but once the the analysts kind of realize okay you're really here to learn and not be you know like a government overwatch or something like that from you know the bosses or whatever the things will you know ease up for you so i would consider that if you're if they don't have a sock analyst in there yeah, do the same thing. Go to your uh, final stock analyst in close proximity to where you live and or work, and you know just ask if you can intern on the weekends, right? And no. see how that yeah, works great, out for great you. Great ideas. Uh, and Anime says he. I think I'm reading this comment right. He, uh, his sales job is not related to IT at all. So definitely uh, get some foundational information. There's a there's a bunch of different options on getting foundational infosec knowledge. Um, uh, excuse me, not InfoSec, IT knowledge, uh, operating systems and networking are two areas that you definitely want to get some exposure to. And then take Eric's suggestions there. Eric, really quick, Judah Toons missed the name of the book that you shared about going off the grid. Can you share that again, please? Extreme Privacy, What It Takes to Disappear, also from Michael right, There we go. And uh, mods, if you can, maybe drop a link on Amazon to that. We could share that with Judah Toons. Um, can you discuss the difference between EDR... And EDTR. EDTR is a new acronym is, to me. I got let's, to Google that. Yeah, All right, me so let's too. Google that. Google Leon that Elliott, we will answer that question <laughs> in a second. Uh, while Eric's Googling that, I'm going to keep reading. Um, so Anime says he's already asked the company and there's no department for cyber. Okay, no, no problem, Anime. I mean, you're just going to have to grind a little bit. Go on YouTube channel and look for the SOC Analyst Home Lab playlist. Uh, it'll show you, Eric Kepik operationalized how to um, build a very simple SOC analyst lab with an attacker and a defender machine using Lima Charlie as an EDR managed solution and be able to throw attacks, detect them in Lima Charlie, write detection rules, and then catch them and see how the, the um, victim looks. That is real practical hands-on skills experience that would be very valuable. So everything I see coming up, ED, Echo Delta Tango Romeo EDTR is effective data transfer rate 
which is more network related items than an actual EDR. So it's your, the question is in two different scopes altogether. Mm -hmm. Cannot okay. be related. Thanks, Eric. Uh, George Strasberger wants your thoughts on Sentinel one looking for a buyer time to dump and run or not. Um, so I'll just give my initial thoughts and then Eric, I'd love yours. So Sentinel one is a massive player in the, um, EDR space, lots of money. Here's the, here's the deal guys. I know it's hard to hear the sound effects I'm trying to play Randy right now. I think my soundboard's jacked up too, because of all the issues I'm having, but it just came in the faint. You may just have to turn it up. Yeah. So here's the deal. Sentinel one. The, yeah. They're making a lot of money, but I bet you, if you look, they are venture capital backed. If you're a rich person, right? You've got oodles of money and you're investing in startup or you know tech companies, at some point you want to cash out. At some point you want to go to the cashier's cage and get your money, right? It's your money and you want it now, JG Wentworth style. So the only way to get your money is to either IPO and, and uh, you know basically have shareholders give you money or sell to a company in that acquisition, you get paid out on all that money. So it is quite possible that Sentinel One may be experiencing a little bit of a backslide and the powers that be, the VC money, the people who are on the board are like, bruh, I'm done with this wild ride. Recession's looming, I'm not into it. Um, let's cash out. Anyone wanna buy us? That's what I think's happening. Eric, you got a thought? Yeah, so I think Sentinel One is definitely on a downturn. They've lost over forty percent of their value valuation in the stock market this year, Ooh. or over a one year time frame. Um, they've been really, really struggling. A lot of uh, a lot of DFIR folks that I talk to, and including myself, you know, we just we don't like Sentinel One. Um, from our perspective, a lot of IT folks will automatically implement that rollback feature. And I've, you know, kind of trashed on this a little bit, but when Sentinel One does its automatic rollback to, you know, a, to relieve a, or mitigate a potential issue, it causes a lot of issues with forensics. I understand the, the, the benefit for a organization to come up, uh, to be able to get back up and everything, but we'll see how everything goes. I mean, they're, it looks like they do have a uh, earnings two report uh, coming out at five o'clock today. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how they've progressed so far this year. Um, but I do know they're looking for someone to buy them out. It does not look that they have a, a PE or anything like that. Um, yeah, the earnings call is big. The earnings call them. is big. If I, so yeah. we'll definitely see how it goes. Uh, really quickly. Um, much to base cases chagrin i am in the windows sound mixer configuration settings dorking with it <laughs> right now uh when my machine booted up it somehow made the output device like my nvidia card which doesn't make any sense to me so i'm going to try the sound effects again let me know if you hear this no that's super low still uh i mean the stream's almost over so maybe i shouldn't be messing with this but um but Always remember, do it in production. Yeah, no, Just I know. This Please is don't. like Friday at 3 o'clock, and I'm like pushing <laughs> pushing updates. All right, whatever. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out later. Uh, I'll talk to my audio engineers and <laughs> quit messing with their area. Um, couple questions coming in really quick, and then I've got to get out of here. we got 10 minutes before class. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, 
Delane, Delano has a compliance interview tomorrow, so congratulations on that. Give me a few tips and what I should prepare for. Uh, really quickly, I mean, if you can, if they're a publicly traded company, maybe familiarize yourself with Sarbanes-Oxley a little bit. If they're not, uh, what, what do they need to be compliant with? Is it compliant with federal regulations? Is it compliant with payment card industry? Like, Find out what they should be compliant with, what regulations they should com- be compliant with, um, if any. And then familiarize yourself a little bit with it. And be sure to say in the interview, if you had no prior experience with, say, PCI, um, you know, uh, getting back to what I was saying earlier before, like the uh, stream crashed, if, if, if you didn't have any experience with PCI and I'm saying, you know, what are your thoughts about PCI? You could say, hey, I didn't really have any experience professionally, but I saw that you guys do take credit cards or whatever. And I went and did some research and I'm actually signed up to take a class with anti-siphon training on PCI, which is actually happening very soon uh, in order to familiarize myself. To me, that's amazing. It's like, oh my God, this person took initiative and proactivity and found a solution to equip them to be better enabled to deliver on this compliance need I have. Love it. Uh, That's what I would say. Uh, And then obviously just familiarize yourself with all like the basic questions like, you know, uh, tell me about yourself. They're not really interested in like your dog and stuff like that. They they want to know about you in a way that is directly related to the role. Um, you know, like th- those those things. There's basic questions that you're always going to get. How do you stay current in cybersecurity? They, get ready for that question. Um, so, anyways, yeah, that's that's good. Um, fi- final, uh, really quickly, uh, final question for me, and then Eric, if you want to take a final. Uh, Dream Logic asks, what's my favorite books? I have a lot of favorite books. Uh, really quickly, um, Principles of Fraud uh, Examination, which is a textbook, but it, it, it is basically a roadmap on how to commit every single kind of financial fraud. Uh, not that I'm into committing financial fraud, but I just find it unbelievably fascinating how clever uh, humans are um, to, um, to come up with ways to commit financial fraud. So that that's like one of my favorite books of all time. Also, I'm a huge fan on a non on a fiction side of the Wheel of Time series. Uh yep, that's that. Eric, favorite books? I haven't I'm behind on my book reading. I need to get back into Audible and stuff like that. I haven't been doing as much traveling. You know, one of the things I used to do was tr- uh, play Audible all the time when I travel, but um too much stuff around the house to do being a new home. Oh my God. So. Yes. So true. So true. Um, <laughs> and just really quick, just to throw someone a lifeline here. Um, Fallon Watts n- needs to get training on MS Sentinel because the job wants a year or SIM experience or whatever. Uh, Josh McAdore has some really great content on, um, on his YouTube channel around building a lab and uh, messing with Sentinel. So definitely check that out. Um, any, any quick things around learning SIM, uh, Eric, and then we really got to go. Yeah, um, I think Black Hills has got a course on that as, t- as well. Oh, there you go. Check it out. Link um, in the description below to anti-siphon training and uh, get some sim training. All right, guys, that's going to do it for today's stream. Eric, thanks so much for uh, jumping in um, when I got like, basically, I got a concussion and taken to the blue tent. And uh, Eric came onto the field and, and took a few snaps and then stayed out here with me. So thanks so much to Eric. Everybody in chat, thanks for hanging around uh, and, and doing the show with us, even through a little bit of adversity. Great stream. Thanks to the mods. You guys are amazing. Always bringing the heat. I'm Jerry. He's Eric. Your chat. Until 4.30 p.m. later today when we're going to be doing all the cyber insurance things. 
We'll see you then or tomorrow at 8 a.m. Eastern time. Be good, everybody. And until next time, stay secure. Everybody, I hope you enjoyed that content. Keep the cybersecurity train going.